I already opened my beer, but I got a backup can. Nice. I got, I got, a, I got a stunt can for the opening noise. <laughs> Perfect. Is it empty? Just, how, yeah. how would I get the stunt noise if it was empty? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Yes. Oh, it wasn't a stunt cam. That was a quick crack. Yeah, that was a good crack. You must be thirsty. Not wasting any time. <laughs> Listen, welcome to the show again, folks. It is Money Mechanic and my good friends, socially, well, not socially, we're physically distant still. Physically distant still, yes. I am the accountant. Socially, we're fairly close. And I'm the economist. What's everyone drinking tonight? Well, I, uh, I've gone out of country again. He never oh, yeah. shares <laughs> these with us. No. It's well, ridiculous. But you can go down to the British Company Liquor Store, and I'm sure there's places in the rest of Canada you can buy this as well. So it wasn't something I brought back specially from a trip long ago. This is the I'm Having Sierra Nevada. Oh, yeah. yeah Pale yeah. ale, the handcrafted ale. And I've got a blurb on this one, actually. Tastes like flowers. Uh, not as much as you expect. It's way bitter than I, than I remember it being. Because this is one of the first beers. Whoa, you're drinking out of the can, the bottle? No, I've got a glass. Oh. <laughs> is everything okay? <laughs> is is, that, everything is okay? that a no-no now or what? Well, you can't trust the bottles now, can you? <laughs> well, it has a cap on it, does it not? <laughs> They do have to sanitize the bottles to put beer in them. You realize that, right? Well, right. that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. the handling after that that's the issue. Yeah, but there's a cap on it. Never mind. All right. The Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was one of the first beers we drank when my wife was going to university in Washington. We found this beer down there. and Anyway, the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale sparked the American craft beer revolution, bold and complex with pine and citrus notes from whole cone cascade hops. This pale ale was first brewed in 1980 and introduced a generation to the glory of hops. Pale Ale is still a classic, and Sierra Nevada Brewing Company is still 100% family-owned, operated, and argued over. Okay. That's going to be like the tagline for our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. In, in 10 years? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, what do you got over there, Economist? I got uh, 33 acres of sunshine. Well, that's a lot of acres of sunshine. I thought yeah. you'd been down the 33 acres already. I had 33 acres of darkness last time. Oh. oh nice. And this nice. one is a French blanche, which I kind of thought would be a blanche Francais. Fr- blanche <laughs> Francois. I don't know. His French skills are clearly or, phenomenal. Or a, f- a French white, maybe. <laughs> Born of the sun, this unfiltered wheat ale has long been praised by the Belgians and revered by the French. Our dreamy blanche beer is silky smooth and subspiced with orange peel, coriander, and anise seed to pair perfectly with the golden days of summer. Sun sets in the west with good reason, and this seasonal flagship will adorn our tasting room, chill at the beach, and commune on the patio of select stockists long after summer ends. Why, what's the good reason that the sun sets in the West? Physics? Science, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, you just started rotating that way one day. <laughs> I don't know. That's so what luck. we think anyway. Yeah, <laughs> luck. Let's not go into that because we might have to go into theology and uh, evolution and uh, creation. We're and, not equipped for that kind no, of thing. No, definitely not. Not this short into the beer, anyhow. No. <laughs> what do you got, account? Well, unfortunately, I was running low on beers, and I, it's not that unfortunate. I've got a uh, bottle of the Macallan 18-year triple cask. Nice. I know for a fact there's going to be a few jealous listeners when they hear this episode. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a gift from my wife, and I decided that you know desperate times in quarantine call for desperate measures, <laughs> so I finally cracked it. You might not make it out alive, so you may as well enjoy it. I might as well enjoy it. So, <laughs> what are the tasting notes there? Oh, it's uh, actually I don't think I have tasting notes for it. Do you have any? Yeah, you're supposed to have the tasting notes, not just <laughs> oh. read them. Shush. <laughs> I wanted to see if there's a blurb on the bottle, but there's not. Well, if there was, I was going to make you read it with a Scottish accent. We'd have to get our stunt Scotsman back on the show. Yeah, there you go. No, hey. it's got a little like little orange. Little cocoa. Is it tasty nice. or, or not so oh, much? Oh, it's super smooth. It's delicious. Oh. 
Okay, we're all a little bit jealous of your scotch. Um, you remember we used to do like interesting things in the news and all the rest of that when we used to have like different segments? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did. I did. I did come across something interesting today. Have you? It was on. Uh, okay. So obviously, when our listeners get to this, this will be dated, but it was on CBC here in early May. And the article is about a startup company in Ontario called Grocery Neighbor. And the article on CBC talks about it. They're like, it says they're like giant ice cream trucks, supermarkets on wheels get ready to roll into the neighborhood. Cool. I saw this. Did you? Isn't that interesting? Like a real pivot, right? And they've got an artist rendering of kind of like a sort of semi-truck type thing. And basically I scanned through the article and he says, yeah, what, what you'll do is you'll get a notification on your phone. You'll have the app, right? So you know when it's coming into your neighborhood and it'll pull up on your street or near your house. You go out, there'll be one indoor, one outdoor. You don't pass anybody sort of in the inside. It's a one-lane thing. And it's just going to have your staples, right? It'll have your breads and your meats and cheeses, your eggs and and some and fresh veggies. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought it was super interesting how they must have had this in plan already. But, uh, yeah, pretty neat. So, yeah. yeah, pretty neat, though. Guys, I, I just came up with a brilliant business idea. Mobile liquor store. Bam. It's not terrible. No. Right? Yeah, I mean, you may have to let your beer settle for 12 hours after it's been delivered. <laughs> after but... after arrival, for sure. But, you know. Mobile whiskey store. There. See? See? We're coming along already. I like it. Okay, so this actually segues quite well into our discussion tonight because the accountant has been harping at us that we need to talk about cash flow. And naturally, he's an accountant, so that's obviously important to the balance sheet. No, it's not. <laughs> the balance sheet is the balance sheet. The statement of cash flows is the statement of cash flows. Okay, let me rephrase that. accounting lesson out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to the financial statements. That's a much better way to put that. <laughs> thank, thank you for the polite correction. <laughs> this has been like two months he's, he's wanted to do this episode, hasn't it? Right. Well, so- because we get so many people who keep talking about their net worth and that's not a great peg of financial independence or financial stability. Why? Well, I mean, it's like the example I was talking to you about earlier today. So if I have a $10 million apartment building and I've got an 80% loan to value on it, I have $2 million in equity. But if that apartment building only cash flows enough to pay its expenses every year, I have $2 million in net worth and no usable cash. And if you tell me, oh, well, you can go sell that building, do you know how long it's going to take to sell a $10 million asset? There's not exactly a whole lot of buyers. So without stable streams of income, your net worth becomes kind of irrelevant. Or if if you don't want to sell your home, right? Right, exactly. Take Van- or Vancouver or Toronto, if somebody has a, a single family home, that's worth a lot of money, but maybe right. the, maybe selling it is not on the table even. No, I mean, tell tell my grandpa that he could sell his house because he'll get a million dollars and be able to use that. Well, he's built the thing in the 50s and he's lived there for 70 years. Like he's not moving. That's not an option. It's not on the table. Right. Okay. So we're going to investigate this topic from an FI perspective as we usually try and do. But we are going to try and figure out if how we're going to generate this cash flow, whether just your T4 income is enough. And clearly, we've gone through this radical shift. In well, if the- you're looking for financial independence, your T4 income is not enough. Well, yeah, that's, that's exactly not enough. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you want your T4 income to be goose egg. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Or we- to be able to be, at least. Yeah, well, that's the thing is. And so... Uh, why do I need cash flow if I'm just going by the earn, like save and invest 25x my expenses? Why do I care about cash flow? So you're saying on the path to FI, why do you care? Yeah. Again, the same thing. You, you, you have a house, then do you not consider that in your, like, is that in your 25x number or not? No. Well, then are you not being, as we talked about in the Are You Too Conservative <laughs> episode, are you not being way too conservative? <laughs> and not to mention, so in the past few months, we've seen countless dividend cuts, 
huge stock market losses. Like if you really want to protect from that, multiple streams of cash flow is going to be your best way to shore up any form of security. Okay. So let's just frame this a little bit into a bigger picture here. So it, this, we can kind of have a direction for this episode. We're going to talk about, and put your laptop on the table. The more scotch you drink, I can see in the camera here, you're going to knock it right off your lap. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> well, we don't want to see his no pants situation. Yeah. <laughs> and the computer is the electronic napkin again. <laughs> well, it, it has a record of doing that. Okay. So passive income or multiple streams of income are going to be important. And cash flow is what we're going to measure our liabilities, monthly costs against versus right. our income. All right. So cash flow is just the difference between your income and your expenses? Is that right? Well, it's the cash coming in the door. So it's just your income. Depends, I mean, what forms of cash flow. Like if we are talking a business, the cash flow from a business is going to be the income less the expenses, not so your personal. Yeah. yeah. But so we're talking profit. In the terms of a business or real estate, but we're talking for you personally, how much cash comes in? Does that cover your expenses? So basically what we want to show is that improving your cash flow improves your life options. Exactly. Right? And the worse your cash flow, cash flow situation is, the more you're tied to your current job. Yeah. Well, and how many times have we heard that Canadians are a $400 emergency away from not being able to pay their bills? Yeah. Well, that's a pretty serious cash flow problem. Does it sound like I read those two lines? It did, yeah, because yeah. I can tell that you're reading them off the screen. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to uh, the Simple Dollar. I came across this when I'm doing a little bit of research. And it's the article is Improve Cash Flow by Paying Off Low-Interest Debts. So we've been talking about debts on the show recently too. Here's a way for people to understand their cash flow is they've got their income coming in the door, right? They have their liabilities, which could be rent or mortgage. Um, insurances, vehicle costs, things like that. Those are your, all your liabilities, right? Your fixed costs. And then you've got your variable costs, which is your groceries and your fund money and your FI garage beers and things like that. And at the end of the month, inflow has to be the same or more than your liabilities. Otherwise, your outflow. Your outflow. Otherwise, you're in a negative cash flow situation, right? You're going into further and further debt. Right. So, I mean, our discussion is that you're trying to grow the gap. Yeah. And the more sources of money you have coming in, the less detrimental it is when one of those gets cut off. Okay. That's where we're going to talk about how do we generate other sources of income? And what are they? And what are they? Do you want to start with that? Sure. Here we are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me. Hey, it's your, it's your episode. I'm just trying it's to lead not. you. You're, no, you're just leading what, down whatever path you want to go down. <laughs> you can change paths anytime. It's like, remember, it's one of those books. You can choose the next page. This all started from a rant on people being like, well, I have a huge net worth, so I'm fine. And then being like, oh, I can't pay my bills because I can't access any of that money. Uh-huh. Yeah. I need a bailout because I don't have any cash flow. Because I don't have any cash flow, which right. is, again, where you need like, and it's different if somebody's only going after stocks because stocks are liquid. So the value of the stock, it can readily be turned into cash flow. Well, right. And that's essentially what the traditional withdrawal rate calculations are based on is creating your own cash flow. Right. And okay. you sell Through the stock, stock market or bonds. Or right. bonds, exactly. But that's only one form of cash flow. You know, like rental properties can provide you with cash flow. Uh, angel investments can provide you with cash flow. You can have private loans. You know, there's a lot of different things that can have cash coming in. You can own part of a small business that is hands off and brings cash in the door. Your job is cash in the door. Okay. Well, this brings up a little discussion that we had on the side the other day was all these things change depending on where you are on your path to FI. If you've, if you've kind of set a goal that you've got a plan ahead of you, right? At the beginning, you're probably 100% reliant on your job or your career income 
right. to, to start saving and investing. More than probably you are. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be at the beginning. <laughs> That's a valid point. I'm glad you're there to back that up. Check. <laughs> um, but the discussion that we were having is as you get closer to midway or you start thinking about Coast Fire or start having some substantial assets that at a certain point, maybe they're all tied into indexed fund ETFs. Right. And if you if you want to continue that way, that's fine. We're not here to decide what's good or what's bad. But there's other ways to generate cash flow with your money, with your assets. Yes. Other than just keeping them in an index fund ETF. And I'm not saying that everybody should go out and make things more complicated. But like you said, if you lose that income, which you're 100% required to have for your cash flow at that point, whereas yeah. you, take, you take your... Let's just call it five hundred thousand for a number. Let's just use the traditional one million dollars. Your fine number, which we're going to have to stop using that next year because I'm sure it's going to cost more. But <laughs> <laughs> say you're at five hundred k. Maybe at a certain point you want to say, well, you know what? I want to generate some cash flow from real estate, right? Maybe whether that's a private REIT, maybe that's rental income, maybe it's a rent to own, maybe it's private mortgage lending. There's options out there. We're not here to try and give you every option that there is generating that cash flow and then maybe you've got a portion of that portfolios is dividend stocks so now you've got some dividend income that's coming in you've got some rental income that's coming in how does your cash flow statement look now or your cash flow look now compared to the way it did before exactly and there's ways to be a lot more diversified and i mean there's nothing wrong with you just dump everything in index funds you don't want to learn anymore you don't do anything else but that's like, it that, isn't that's, it but but that'll that'll still get you to where you want to go Right, but, but if you increase your income sources, you diversify your investments. Yeah, you're, I mean, and essentially, follows, right, right, and you're probably taking on less risk, having and, different sources of income. And you think you're taking on less, or you're mitigating your sequence of return risk as well. Well, that's a major factor, and a lot of these assets produce cash flows that are greater than four percent. So now you can start getting away from, okay, well, I have to have 25x. Well, if you increase the return on your assets by learning more and creating cash flows that are at a higher rate, then technically you don't need to save as much to be financially independent. Right. So would you say that side hustle or starting your own business could potentially be one of the best sort of uh, alternatives? Generally, businesses are the most work but also provide the greatest cash flow for your investment, right? Most upfront work. Most upfront work. Well, and it has to be a business that can be hands-off. You have to build a business where you're not there, right? Right. A side hustle might not fit that, right? Right. Like if, if you're doing, yeah, if you're doing a side hustle where you're just charging somebody by the hour to ghostwrite for them or something, well, that's not that's not passive income. That's you trading your time for money, which is essentially what we're trying to get away from. Right, so monetizing the FI garage that would be that would be something you'd consider. I think we just call that a pipe dream because it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because quite a few of the articles that I I found, everyone's got the sort of the clickbait stuff where it's like fifteen easy ways, nine easy ways, blah blah, blah. and that's fine. There's good content in these articles, but in every is there really or is it well? Just <laughs> okay, okay, There's fine. Not. That okay, was fine. being way too generous. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is, okay, here's the problem, right? Is like you scroll through and like people are putting in high interest savings accounts. I mean, I guess, but that's not really passive income. I mean, technically it's passive income, but it's pretty minimal. Right. Yeah, right? exactly. So we can kind of skip that one because most of us are probably doing that in some form or another. Of course, they've got REITs in here, which we've talked about before. And I think that makes sense. Um, if it fits into your portfolio and your risk, then go ahead with that. That's a good way of cash flowing because you're not having physical property, but they talk about next is physical property, right? And you want to get a rental and generate. So that's that's yeah. a good one. I, I don't mind getting behind that. But when it gets down into the nitty gritty ones, like submitting receipts or doing like these uh, cash back type apps or cash back credit card hack stuff. I mean, you're, you're earning a dollar an hour, right? It's a lot of work. Yeah. That's the thing, right? 
I don't disagree that it's additional income, but I wouldn't even call it a source <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're we're down. We're trying to optimize our spending, so you can't earn much when all these types of plans start. They demand high spending to get returns on them. Anyway, right. so and then yeah, of course, and every single one of them is like start a blog or a podcast, and it's like that is so not passive. It's ridiculous, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> No, no, it's not. You know, if you want to start yeah. a blog or a podcast, do it because you have a couple of friends you enjoy drinking beer with and talking about investing. But don't do it if you think you're going to make some income in the first two years. It's kind of like that's kind of the same story I hear from a lot of people, right? Yeah, 100%. And I'm not saying that online business isn't a great idea because, you know, I've did a little bit of research into the whole, you know, sort of Shopify online stores. And there's a ton of opportunity for that. I don't know how much of that now is, um, is a little bit saturated because there's so much of it, but there'll always be a niche online for business, but none of it's really that passive. Yet we've looked at buying websites before. If you buy a drop shipping website and then have it managed by an offshore, one of these, you know, Fiverr, whoever looks after your business and that's technically hands off, but Again, that just comes back to what you discussed about having a business. It's the four-hour work week, right? Is you yeah. come up with systems, your business runs itself. There's a van, it's got power washers. You've got guys that go around a power wash and you facilitate the customers and you cover the insurance and you make sure the business runs smoothly and you take your percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Earning income off employees, right? That, yeah. That's what the business goal should be, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, but there's a million different ways that you can come up with these other sources of passive income. And I mean, if you really like, we is that going to be your book? A million other sources of passive income? <laughs> I'm not writing a book. Are you kidding me? Because <laughs> that's another, that's another source is He's online writing. courses <laughs> and books. Oh <laughs> uh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> Speaking of books, this is kind of the accountant, uh, pumping uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad again this whole episode. That's not at all what I was referring to, <laughs> but sure. Well, that's basically the whole premise of his book is right. generate but, passive income. But we've heard a lot about like people like running to safety right now and like it's a hard economic times. Well, the more if you have one source of income, it doesn't matter what that source is. If that's your only source of income and it gets interrupted, you're screwed. Right. So the only true safety, quote unquote, and there is no absolute safety, obviously, because a lot of things are being hurt during this, but like you're going to have a lot better chance of surviving economic hardship if you have an emergency plan, you've got dividend income, you've got some index funds, you have a rental property bringing in money, you have a side hustle, you have a job. Like the chances of all of those going to hell is a lot smaller than. If you only have one, this ties in quite well to our risk episode too, doesn't it? Yes. Right. For sure. And you know, it's a lot of the original content in the fire space was all about super aggressive savings, living as frugally as you can, optimizing your spending, creating that big gap, doing it for the five to 10 years. And then you're done. You don't have to worry about all these different income sources because you've got your 25X. But I think we're seeing the transition and the development of the FI community where that's that's going to work for some people, for sure. But for the great majority of people, they probably have had a dream of starting their own business or they probably don't want to just grind the cubicle for the next 10 years, right? So there may just be, and they don't want to save twenty five x. They'd prefer eighteen. Or, yeah, yeah. We right? talked about that before too, right? So, you know, maybe that's what we're finding is we circle back to a more realistic type discussion for many more. Let's go quote unquote like quote average people like us, where I I don't earn enough to make 25 save and invest 25x in seven years it's just not going to happen you're not frugal enough either that's quite that's true too yeah amen and there's nothing wrong with that i don't want to be that frugal no it's good, it's good thing he said that coming from a guy whose wife gave him the mccallan 18 yeah i'm drinking 18 year old scotch and it's <laughs> worth every penny 
<laughs> Every penny. <laughs> yeah. So a economist, I didn't tell you that he texted me and he said, we should do a show on uh, enjoying, what did you say? Enjoying the finer things, spending all your money, enjoying the finer things of life or whatever. Yeah, and you texted back that it was essentially YOLO. Yeah, like, <laughs> not, we're not doing a YOLO episode. <laughs> oh, but polarizing your spending is what we do, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's about spending. We spend on high-quality things. Spend aggressively on what you enjoy, but cut out all the crap you don't. Yeah. If it adds value, get it. For sure. Didn't like the swing bike. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to put this in the show notes. Oh, just, just for a laugh. I have to look at it again just so I can put it in the show notes. Well, I haven't seen it. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, Neither do our listeners. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's a bicycle. Picture a bicycle where they've made the seat that you sit on hinge so right. that like the back tire can drive alongside the front tire and then go back the other way. And oh, nice. It's pretty ridiculous. But nice. we'll, uh, we'll Accountant, you love notes. bikes. You should like this then. Yeah, I only like my mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, getting back on track here. Um, Are we but, ever on track? Uh, you know, it's kind of loose. I mean, you know, <laughs> we don't always take the easy trail, that's for sure. No, but of course not. We should, uh, I wouldn't mind giving a shout out to a friend of the Canadian community here, and it's Rob over at Passive Canadian Income. And I just wanted to run through his income sources because I think it's interesting and it fits well into the discussion that we're having right now. So is this 15 easy, unrealistic income streams or is this an article with a little more substance? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's not an article, to be fair. It's, it's, a, it's a Canadian blog, right? It's Passive Canadian Income. Yeah. And so this is just from their page about their current income sources. So I just thought I'd highlight these for us to discuss and think about, right? And uh, so he starts off and he says, the average millionaire has seven different income sources. And I know that's a quote, but I have no idea who it's by. I'm sure we can find it. Google will help me, but I be- feel like that's Ray Dalio. But it maybe could I'm be, wrong. yeah. Well, he's all about different asset classes and income sources. Yeah, me. big yeah. time. Yeah. Anyway. So he goes on to say that he's got, okay, his first source, of course, is his job, and he is a, uh, he's self-employed, okay? So that's Mm -hmm. one. Obviously, his wife also works, so that's their second source. And this is something that's interesting that before we move on, Mm -hmm. I've come across some people that husband and wife or partners are tied to the same company, Mm. both incomes from the same place. And I was chatting with some people and you you realize in a downturn like this, that there's a ton of risk in that. And you don't have any diversification when you're tied into the same business for both incomes, even the same industry could be a little bit dangerous, right? Even the same industry. Yeah. So it's something to think about for sure. Yeah. So moving on, he's got when you're picking your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> unless of course it's bill and melinda gates then i think you're safe uh so the third one is pretty standard i think most of us are there it's uh dividends from stocks and etfs right so that's sort of traditional path of uh, investing yep he doesn't specify much here but he says private investment so this is interesting this could mean investment in he says uh it says a private a family private investment so it's a little nebulous i like it yeah. it could be it could be real estate it could be a business that they're invested in i'm not really sure but i like that it's they've got some other private investment going on there could be trees could be yeah i i like my trees <laughs> So, and he's got number five is ads and affiliates, right? Of course, because he's a blogger and, you know, if you can make a little bit of extra cash from uh, your ads and let's not be nice. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not discount this though, because just because we are ineffectual at advertising. (laughs) Good point. Good point. There, there is, there is money to be made in ads and affiliates. It's just the amount of work in setting that up. It's about creating good content, so you have a lot of readership. And so we're right. Yeah, yeah. I don't see us ever creating good content. (laughs) No, no, we're done. (laughs) Hey, we did well last year. Didn't we get like six free beers? That's like the pinnacle of our success so far. That's that is the epitome of success. Well, to be fair, we've only had one year, so it is our best year. All right, and number six, which I know that uh, could be a discussion point for the accountant, he's got solar panels. Oh, he's selling power back to the somebody. 
Uh, he, well, what does it say here? They put them up in December 2017. It consists of 30 panels that will generate 28.8 cents per kilowatt hour. So the whole system will bring in roughly 2,500 to three grand per year for a 20-year contract. So I don't know. He's not in British Columbia, and right. I don't know. I know things have changed, and you'd have to look into your local um, power companies or what they offer as far as paybacks, because I think they got away from some of the feeding back into the grid thing, didn't they? I think BC, BC can we get did. money. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But so anyway, I mean, that's not to say that solar doesn't knock out some of your liabilities if you have less power charge. This is interesting though. You could have like a flower stand or an egg stand. This is kind of the same thing, right? Totally. Yeah. And we see that quite a bit here in Victoria, right? People have their, like this time of year, springtime, everyone's got their starter plants out. They're selling little tomato plants yeah. and everything else, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a side hustle of business doesn't need to take you a ton of time. It could be something that's your passion on the weekend. Right. Yeah, absolutely. A hobby, monetizing your hobby. Well, people get really upset yeah. about that. You know how many times really? I've told, yeah, I keep telling the wife to sell some soap, sell a painting. No, no, no. You know, just. Anyway, uh, so you know what number seven, seven is? We're waiting. No, that was a, you take a guess. Me? No, you know the answer. <laughs> You're looking at us. Accountant, take a guess. Um, I think it's going to be selling your body for scientific testing. <laughs> I like it. Right? <laughs> no, it's um, beer quality assurance. Sorry? Beer quality assurance. Beer How do I get that job? <laughs> I don't know, but we need to start a company that goes in and does beer quality tasting. <laughs> he doesn't. Yes. He doesn't have a seventh one at this time. So here's the shout, Rob. If you listen to the show, have you got a seventh one yet? What are you thinking about? And listeners, what do you think his seventh should be? Beer quality assurance. That's oh, that was. Oh, <laughs> that's mine. Oh, oh, that wasn't his. No, he doesn't have a seventh. Not, oh. according, not according to his uh, article here. So, anyway, sorry, you got us excited for nothing then. That's yeah, that's I, rude. I was yeah. doing it on purpose. I guess that's he's back rude. to selling his body for money. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to science, I didn't say selling your <laughs> body for money. That has a negative connotation. All right. So finishing off on Rob's blog there, his recent update, April 2020 passive income report was $1,298. So congrats, Rob. That's an impressive amount. And yeah. just think about that. If you had that coming in every month, how much less, how much more options you'd have and how much less you'd rely on your job. Many more options. Yeah, right? You no, I'm, I'm correcting your English. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, things have gone to the low end when The Economist is correcting in English. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the whole point of this is that like having multiple cash flows protects you as well as you can build specific cash flows to take care of specific expenses. Like I never wanted to have to pay for my own housing and that's why I got into real estate. That's more a game than anything else though. Sure, but it's creating multiple streams of income. Yeah, no, it, it's a good game, but it it's that's the psychology for that's, sure. But I'm just I'm just saying that your four percent rule doesn't have to be the only stream of income coming in. And if you want to be more secure, you should secure some extra streams of income outside of that if you are willing to learn some more. I'm glad you brought up housing, uh huh, because. We could all probably say that housing expenses are the single largest expense for Canadian households. Yes. Right? Rent or mortgage, either way. Either way. So if you're not going to use your house to generate any cash flow with a rental, mm -hmm. from a cash flow point of view, you have a commitment every month for a mortgage. Yeah. For whatever your term is 25 years right so that that's a big hit on your monthly cash flow wouldn't you want to eliminate that as quickly as possible that entirely depends on you as a person but that's where people are super anti-paying off that mortgage i mean that's adding another stream of income can also be achieved by taking away a stream of cash outflow and that's my point right so 
I'm not going to get into this nitty gritty because we've already gone down the pay off your mortgage argument. We just, and, we just had that episode, didn't we? Yeah. And, and mathematically speaking, I don't disagree that over a long period of time, you would probably be better off investing in a market type return, like an index market return. Sure. Okay, let's not argue, let's not get into the argument of the 7% in the market versus the 3% mortgage and this and that. We know that you can do the math and most people out there can do it too. But from a security standpoint, because when we're talking about cash flow, like we are in this episode, it's all about security. If you lose sources of income, then you still need to meet your mandatory requirements. your mandatory cash requirements. You can't reduce those expenses. Well, what you're saying is that you can and maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could downsize, right? You could downsize to a cheaper place and get your equity out and lower your, your monthly mortgage payments. But I guess what I'm saying is from a, cl- a cash flow point of view, then there could be a strong argument made for eliminating your mortgage to free up that cash flow. And maybe we should qualify that with saying, you've got a 25-year term, it shouldn't be your number one thing to try and pay off your mortgage. But if you're within your last five years and you're, you've got 1500 bucks or more going out every month and you kind of have a goal to pay it off, why not get rid of that cash flow? That gives you more options and more security. Yeah, you should rent or something. Well, and from a... <laughs> We get it, Mr. Ray. <laughs> but from a security standpoint, I mean, my neighbors have their house paid off. We had a party last year when they paid it off. And one of them got laid off due to the whole COVID situation. And do you know how happy he was telling me? He's like, if we didn't have that mortgage paid off, do you know how stressed I would have been about losing my job? And you know how not stressed I am about losing my job because my house is paid off? Like All I have to do is provide food and property taxes, and I can cover my costs. Are, are we now getting into the we're hypocrites part of the show? Probably. I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm not saying I would do it. I don't want to do it. I'm happy <laughs> carrying my mortgage and investing in higher yields elsewhere. Gamble, gamble. But it all depends on... Uh-oh. I don't want to have to say it. <laughs> that personal finance is personal. <sighs> yeah, that's once an episode. At hey, least once an episode. By the way, this is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah, that's real get true. Them, get them all out of the way at the same time. No, it was just interesting because I uh, after we started talking about cash flow and I started thinking about it a little bit more, do you know how much you'd have to have invested to cover the cost of a $1,500 a month mortgage? How much? Oh, I mean, I could, I could do the math, but I, I assume the question was rhetorical <laughs> and that you'd already done the math because you had thought about it for a while. I have. I have. Okay. Uh-huh. I was just going to say, I, I, all I did was assume a 4% dividend. I didn't sure. take into account market appreciation. Or, or, draw talking about, or drawdown. Yeah, we're talking about. So to cover that, you need 450 grand invested. Right to cover your mortgage cash flow obligation. Right. Or rent cash flow obligation. Or rent, which which is a pretty big freaking number, let's be fair. Yeah. That's a big chunk and that's where if you can generate cash flow from somewhere else that doesn't take that much capital to generate 1500 bucks, you can become financially stable a hell of a lot sooner. And that's fair and we don't need to go into a big discussion about risk reward, but generally you're going to get higher returns from leveraging to do real estate type properties, leveraged plays, right? So we don't need- Or taking on more risk. Taking on more risk. Sure. Taking on more risk or starting a passive business, you know, putting in the time, putting in the effort, building another stream of income. Okay. But let's get back to what the reason I brought this up was because for most of us, the prospect of trying to save and invest to get to $450,000 is a pretty daunting task. Very daunting. And then to have to take the, the thing, and I'm going back to mortgage pay down here, right? Is to generate that mortgage payment to be neutral so that if you lost your job, it wouldn't be an issue. Your portfolio would have enough passive income to pay for your mortgage. Right. Right. Or you pay off your mortgage. Right. 
I mean, because that 450K is subject to market risk. Yeah. I mean, we want, we would all probably agree that over the long, long period, it'll go up. But I think this is what the biggest thing for the pay down your mortgage first camp is. Yeah. That's got to be it. Yeah. Well, it totally is. And, and I, I mean, I'm going to be the first to admit that I've been pretty aggressive because I was uncomfortable just having a, a really huge mortgage when we first bought. So I have no regrets about it at all. And you can read a good Canadian blog is Handful of Thoughts. And the article here is Paying Off Your Mortgage Faster, Why We Did It. And it's a good point down near the bottom of the article. They talk about cash flow, right? And they say when paying off your mortgage meant more cash flow every month. Yeah. If, if you've paid it off and you still have your regular job and your other sources of income, boom, that gets redeployed into other things or other investments, mm-hmm. right? Hundred percent. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, from a cash flow perspective, like, and this is, I think, the interesting part where you can differentiate, right? Is from a cash flow perspective, not having a mortgage is fantastic, right? From a long-term investment perspective, it's not the most effective. No. Yeah, that's fair. Is that fair? Right. So, I think so. and you made a good point, economist. Is like it comes down to your risk profile. And like we talked about on our risk interview with Peter is how stable is your job? How none of us know that now. I think we've all been kind of shaken up with what's happened with COVID and realized that things we took for granted aren't necessarily going to be for granted. Thoughts? Thoughts? (laughs) My thoughts is that you should have as many streams of cash (laughs) coming in as you possibly can. And you should always be working to build your cash flow. Okay. So I have a question. Yeah. Um. So, the stock DIV. Uh Yep. Yeah, okay. It's royalties, right? Right. Yeah. So, is that a different stream than a dividend stream? It's still a paper asset. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. Any, yeah. Okay. Mechanic. Any Any thoughts there? Uh, I think that's you're kind of splitting hairs there. I mean, if you want to invest in. Uh, DIV, which is yeah, it pays royalty income, or you invest in a Canadian company that pays you a dividend income, or you're in an index fund that pays you a distribution. At the end of the quarter, you're getting dollars in the door. Yeah, but your paper asset is getting its income from different places. Like I think we'd agree that a REIT is different than a dividend, right? A REIT yeah. distribution. Yeah. Okay. So I, mean, I guess I'm just asking, where do we draw the line on a different income stream? Oh, I see what you're saying. It's different uh, paper assets as far as asset classes within paper assets. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I'd probably just divide it up saying um, index ETFs, dividend paying stocks, REITs, and maybe maybe royalties. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think so personally. I think I think the royalty, it you get royalties because a business earns profit or a business makes sales, right? Yeah, exactly. It is a good point though, because when you own a stock that, or a, a paper asset, which is publicly traded, right? is a royalty. You're, the majority of that is going to be a cash flow, higher yield play. You're not going to see a ton of appreciation from that stock. Right. That's true. That's true. Right. It's not yeah. a growth. It's not a growth stock. It's a cash flow play. Yeah, sure. And I mean, to touch on that subject, we could probably have an entire episode on this, but uh, how's that chasing yield been working out for people with all of the dividend cuts that have happened uh, in yes. the last month or two? Hey, I got a raise today, boys. Oh, yeah. I got a raise today. What I got raise a raise. Today? Algonquin what? Power. Oh, okay. see, people always need utilities. 10% raise. Wow. Jesus. I didn't even leave the house today. <laughs> Did you put on raise? <laughs> I, I don't. Decl- uh, we don't need. We don't I, need to know. I declined to answer that in case Robinson Smith makes more fun of me for not wearing pants in the FI garage. <laughs> Fair. Right on. Yeah. Well, I think we can probably agree that cash flow is king, as the accountant likes to say. Cash flow is king. Can't do anything without it. I don't think you actually coined that phrase, though, did you? Uh, God no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did bring up uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I know there's a little bit 
of reticence towards that book within the community because some people think it's all a sales strategy and this and that. But I think the original book has a good message in it. And that's what I was going to say. He's certainly built himself a brand. Yes. But the book has a good foundation. The book has a good foundation, but he has built himself a cash flow out of that foundation (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, and I think the thing about it is it's, it's get assets before liabilities, right? That's yeah. yeah. Your house is not an asset unless you pay it off or if it pays you (laughs) unless it's an asset. (laughs) Well, if it's paid off, then it's, uh, it's good for your cash flow. Right, but not it's still not an asset. It's still not an asset, though. Yeah, yeah. Until you liquefy it. Right. I don't think that's the right word. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I, I like it. <laughs> Speaking of liquefy, <laughs> how's your uh, beverage? It is empty, so, unfortunately. Mm. But the thirty-three acres of sunshine grows on you. Yeah. Too bad you don't have a window in your downstairs office there. By the looks of it. No, I do. I'm looking out it. Oh, there you go. At the sun. At the sun. Perfect. Yeah, I got the sun. Right out right out there. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's sunny where our listeners are, and uh, the weather's definitely getting better. And BC has decided to take, in, uh, take a graduated opening process, so I guess we're waiting to see how that all goes. Yeah. So, like, we might actually all be in the garage one of these days. I doubt it. Well, yeah, it the, seems doubtful. The though. economist isn't going to ride the ferry for a while, so it might be, it'll be the accountant and I. You've got to you've got to pick your friends, so you you're gonna have to be my friend to come and report in the FI garage. Aren't you only allowed like three or four friends? Isn't that what uh, what the premier said? I think six total. Six, six total so I, friends. Six total. So I got to find four more friends. <laughs> <laughs> I well, yeah, I'm glad you said that instead of I've got to try and fit you into my five friends. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything really, really actionable and meaningful to leave our listeners with today? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) The silence. (laughs) Well, uh, another, we did do some, well, the accountant, you did some looking around on the internet too. And shout out to our friend Graham over at Reverse the Crush. This was a timely article because it came out just before we started recording this. And the article is, Net Worth is Essential, but... FI seekers should focus on income streams and low expenses. So it's worth a read. It's kind of it says a lot of things that we talked about in this episode. And uh, yeah, like you started off with, don't say you've got a $500,000 house and yet all your income comes from your T4, which hopefully is secure. Yeah. Well, in that case, you're no better off than somebody renting and has just T4 income. Unless your mortgage paid off and then you don't have that bill. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Uh, yes, we know what that means. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. You will find those links in the show notes. And as always, we welcome your comments and your feedback. And uh, yeah, maybe you can send us in what Rob's number seven income stream should be. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what your other income Wait, streams should be. Hey, I, I got one. I was going to say, before we leave, what are your other streams of income? Right. How many yeah. income streams do we have? Yeah. 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 Good, good question. Ooh. All right. Are we counting each rental properties as its own stream or just rentals as one stream as a whole? That's a good I, question. I think you, could prob- you should probably count it as one. I agree because you wouldn't count every dividend stock you have. No, exactly. That's, I agree with that. Are dividend stocks and index funds going to be separated? I, th- I think we should say that all paper assets are one. Yeah. All paper assets, okay. Except REITs. Except for REITs, okay. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> this got complicated all of a sudden. I know. <laughs> and none of us were prepared for it. It's perfect. No, I th- no we're all making notes. <laughs> I think I have seven. Seven? Yes, now, so does, I got- Are you counting your wife's income? Hundred- oh, of course I am. Okay. She's my golden retirement strategy. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. You're going to be one of those uh, stay-at-home dog dads like me. Yeah. yeah. And, our, and our fire. We're going to send she's, our wives to work. <laughs> she's both prettier and smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no argument. <laughs> Thanks. 
So I got five. Cool. Right on. And because I got mine, the lawyers, my stocks, my REITs, and my uh, side hustle. Nice. I think I'm at eight. Whoa. Are you counting trees? Uh, no, because trees are not income. Oh. Mm. Not yet. Right. No. So I've got uh, mine, my yeah. wife's, um, stocks and or stocks and dividends or ETFs, right? Yeah. Um, public REITs, private yeah. private REITs, right? Private lending, yeah. And I I did break private lending into, and I guess maybe I shouldn't, uh, corporate and personal. Right, so I maybe, think that's fair to break maybe those it's, out. They're maybe different. it's seven or eight. Yeah, I yeah. got seven from what you said. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, so you're a millionaire. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopefully on eight. <laughs> no, but it's interesting, right? Is and then I think how many did of, you have accountant? I got seven. I think I've got me, my wife, dividends, REITs, private lending, side hustle, and rental property. That's seven. You're a millionaire too. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I just think it goes to show though, is you can do the 25 X thing. And if that's your focus, that's your focus. Don't make it too complicated. A lot of times, you know, this whole investing should be kept as simple as possible. Cause then you'll stick to it. Right. Yeah. We just happen to be the people that are interested in it and dig into all these things and keep coming up with cool new stuff. And we probably have shot ourselves in the foot. Let's be fair with some of it. Well, I'm right. Sure. We keep having to come up with new show ideas. So we have to go look into new stuff <laughs> and then we end up investing in it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how like we have a blog and podcast, but no, none of us. <laughs> no. no. You know what? Listener out there, just send a dollar and then we can call this a side hustle. <laughs> you know, that's going to come from our parents, right? My mom's going to send us a dollar. And well, we, appreciate we did it. get beer. So I guess technically we could. So this is number eight, right? This is yeah. I didn't count this eight. as a side hustle. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, boys. Well, uh, that was kind of fun. I hope everybody out there is doing well with their income streams and yeah, maybe we'll be motivated. I'm glad we didn't go down the whole rabbit hole of side hustles because that's kind of been talked to death. And if you want one, you want one, but there's other ways, right? Absolutely. Hey, what about credit card hacking? Is that a income stream? Uh, I do pretty well with that because I'm, I work hard at using the right credit cards. Right. I mean, it's definitely in there with those those lists. I don't know if I'd consider it like an income stream. You got to spend to make the money. Yeah. So I, exactly. I think that disqualifies it right there. I, I agree. Do you know what's great though is because I'm building the garden suite in my backyard, the city of Victoria let me put all of the deposits for my building permits on my credit card. So I got the credit card points for it and I'm getting it all back. We apologize to our Victoria listeners that are now going to have to, <laughs> have have to carry mine. <laughs> <laughs> or that's going to be cut off. Yeah. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, get, cool. in touch, get in touch with us at the FI Garage or on Twitter or Facebook. We are around. Good evening. Peace. <laughs> I haven't, haven't used that one before. <laughs> Ciao.